this isn't brain surgery with Doc Snipes. This podcast was created to provide you the information and tools Doc Snipes gives her clients so that you too can start living happier. Our website, DocSnipes.com, has even more resources, videos, and handouts, and even interactive sessions with Doc Snipes to help you apply what you learn. Go to DocSnipes.com to learn more. Welcome back to Module 3 of Happiness Isn't Brain Surgery with Doc Snipes, Practical Tools to Improve Your Mood and Quality of Life. We're continuing with self-assessment. In the first two segments, we talked about what your main presenting issue is, looked at the benefits, the drawbacks, some things that make it worse, which you don't want to do anymore, and the things that make it better, which you want to start doing more starting today. We also talked about the concept of progress, not perfection. Don't expect yourself, don't set that standard that you want to feel 100% in three weeks. If you sprain your ankle, you're probably not going to feel 100% in three weeks. And this is a lot more complex than that. So give yourself the time you need to start feeling better. If you only feel better an additional three hours a day for the first week, that's still 21 more hours that you feel good that you didn't feel good the prior week. That's almost a whole day better. Shoot to be four hours a day the next week. And start working on progress. In this module, we're going to review the most common symptoms. What makes them worse? What makes them better? And how each impacts you. And you're thinking to yourself, didn't we just do that? No. What we did was we looked at the global issue. Depression, anxiety, anger, and addiction. But they have common symptoms. We want to look at these symptoms. Because remember I said that problems are often like a tapestry. And symptoms are like the threads that hold together the tapestry. So if you start unraveling the tapestry by pulling on one thread, you're going to start unraveling that problem. You may be ready to work on some things and not others. You may have blind spots to some and not others. So we're just going to look at those and try to help you identify what's most problematic for you right now that you're willing to work on. So not everybody experiences depression, anxiety, anger, or addiction in the same way. And what causes it for different people can be very, very different. What causes depression in one person may be a history of childhood trauma. For another person, maybe using alcohol. For another person yet, it could be a thyroid, um, hypothyroid. So all three of those people may present with very similar symptoms, but very, very different causes. And this is why I think it's so important that you know yourself and you are aware of what makes it worse and what makes it better, because that can help your care team help you. Even if your care team is just your primary physician when you go in and go, all right, let's rule out all the biological causes. To start living happier, start by addressing your individual symptoms instead of trying to find a treatment that will address everything, because there ain't one. Hate to break it to you, there ain't one. If there was, then everybody who came into my office who had, a, who had depression, I'd treat them this one particular way and send them on their merry way, and they'd be cured. It doesn't happen. We don't even have a single medication that addresses every type, every single type of depression. That's why there's so many antidepressants out there. So it's important for you to understand what works for you and address your symptoms. When you've got a cold, you don't go to the store and go, well, you may. You may just get NyQuil and go home. Um, 
I typically look for things that are going to address my symptoms. So if I've got a runny nose, I look for a decongestant. If, you know, I've got allergies, I'm going to look for an antihistamine. Um, I try to address what's going on with me at that particular time instead of just kind of throwing the medicine cabinet at it. So your symptoms assessment. And this module only has a couple of slides. This is pretty much it. But I want you to pay attention to how all of these symptoms cut across the different diagnoses. I try to avoid the word disorders because when you think about it from a survival perspective, your emotions are very, very normal reactions to your body's perception that something's wonky. So if you're anxious all the time, you may have feelings of helplessness or hopelessness because, I mean, it's, it's scary and it gets exhausting dealing with life that seems so, un so uncontrollable. If you're depressed, you're also going to have feelings of hopelessness and helplessness. Because you're to that point where it's scary, life seems out of control, and you've just kind of given up, and you're just like, I, I, nothing's ever going to get any better. So you see this symptom in both diagnoses. So if a, if a client comes in and says, I feel helpless and hopeless, I'm like, okay, that sucks. What makes it better? When you have a little bit of hope, you came in here today for treatment, which means you have a little bit of hope that things can get better. So what else gives you a little bit of hope? What helps you feel empowered, which is the opposite of helplessness? What things do you have control over in your life right now? Those are the two questions I start out with. But I want to ask you when you're doing your self-assessment, things that make it better emotionally. You know, sometimes you can feel less anxious and less depressed by doing certain things and when you feel less anxious and less depressed guess what you feel more confident and more empowered it's like hey i can help myself feel a little bit better again may not make it go away completely but i can keep i can start on this road toward recovery mentally what makes it better for me i find focusing on the things that i have control over Help me a lot. I say the serenity prayer a whole lot. Um, and the serenity prayer talks about um, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So wisdom is really the mental component. Knowing what I can and cannot change and be able to take a step back and go, you know what? I can't change that, so I need to figure out how to deal. What mental tricks do you have? when things start getting rough that help you feel a little bit better help you feel a little bit more in control or hopeful that things can get better physically what helps your sense of helplessness and hopelessness i know for me when i'm tired when i haven't gotten enough good quality sleep and that's one of my big vulnerabilities but for me if i don't get enough good quality sleep i tend to feel a lot more out of control and sit on my pity pot a whole lot more so physically i know that sleep is important in in my world and not having too much caffeine social what things make it better so we went through this in the second module for your big your, your global issue your main presenting problem but right now i want you to look at just the specific symptom feeling hopeless and helpless what makes it better and what makes it worse uh, 
again, we'll, we'll stay with, for me, you know, get all my stuff out there. Um, what makes it worse emotionally and kind of mentally, sometimes it's hard to differentiate the two. If I, if I get on Facebook or if I turn on the TV and see one of the god-awful ASPCA commercials, um, that makes me feel hopeless and, and helpless because I see so many animals and I see, you know, or I get on Facebook and I see how many people are dying from addictions. You know, there are a lot of things that I see that I know good and well are problems that are way bigger than anything I can control. So mentally, I have to go back to what part of this can I control? Um, so if I'm having a bad day, I avoid Facebook and ASPCA commercials. <laughs> Mentally, things that make it worse are focusing on the things that I have no control over and getting you know, myself all upset about it because that does no good. So focusing on what I can. Physically, we've already talked about, for me, I... If I don't get enough sleep, it makes it a lot worse. And socially, if I start hanging out with people who share similar hopeless, helpless views, then that tends to kind of get to a groupthink situation and it proves to me that we're all hopeless and helpless. So I tend to try to surround myself with positive, empowered people. Feelings of anxiety, oh, impact of the symptom. Sorry, got ahead of myself. When you feel hopeless and helpless, now just kind of think about a time when you felt that way. Emotionally, how does it impact you? Well, when I feel that way, I get really depressed. Mentally, I kind of get a screw it attitude. I'm like, I can't change anything, so what's the point? Physically, it's exhausting, and you could already be exhausted. But when you feel hopeless and helpless, your brain perceives a threat. It says... There's something out of control that's really scary, and I need to protect you from it. So that HPA axis, HPA axis is going to kick into overdrive. Your cortisol is going to go up. Serotonin is going to go down. Estrogen and testosterone are going to go down. And you're going to have a cascade of negative mood and physical effects. And socially, if I feel hopeless and helpless, I tend to just avoid people. Um, so... In order to prevent those things, that's one of my motivations of, for working on getting enough sleep and doing things that make myself happy and focusing on what I can change because I don't like feeling that way and I don't like those impacts on myself. I think it's important for you to go through each one of these symptoms, even if you don't have every single one. You know, if you don't have it, just skip it. Um, but if you do have it, even sometimes... Identify the things that make it better, the things that make it worse, and the impact of the symptoms on you. Anxiety, you know, there's a lot of things that can make anxiety better, like reducing your caffeine, getting a good night's sleep, getting good nutrition, hanging out with positive people, um, making a plan for how you're going to handle whatever it is. And there are a lot of cognitive tools for handling um, what we call unhelpful thoughts, well, actually they're called irrational thoughts, but I don't like that term either. Um, I call them unhelpful thoughts. And a lot of those involve using terms like every, every time I do this, I fail. You always let me down. So using those extreme words. Uh, so I, I want to look at what do I do mentally to help myself feel better when I'm feeling anxious. When you feel guilt, 
everybody feels guilty. Well, not everybody. There are a few sociopaths out there, but most people feel guilty. So when you feel guilt, how does it impact you? A lot of times when people feel guilty, they also feel anxious and depressed and a little bit of hopeless and helpless on top of it. So you can have symptoms, compound symptoms, which is why it's important to be self-aware and get rid of or deal with whatever's causing these unpleasant feelings and mood states. Sleep disturbances set off that HPA axis. So you may not be as um, reactive to sleep deprivation as I am because everybody's different. Um, I have a friend right now who sleeps about four hours a night. And if I don't get four hours of deep sleep a night, I tend to be really, really cranky. And all he gets is four hours and, you know, more power to him. Um, know what you need in terms of sleep and know how it impacts you and have good sleep hygiene. So if you have sleep disturbances, start out with figuring out how do I get good sleep and what can I do to improve my sleep. Eating disturbances, and that means eating too much or eating too little, but basically not giving your body the building blocks it needs to make the neurochemicals. And when we are depressed, anxious, angry, or using, we typically don't give our body those building blocks. So it's hard for you, for you to feel happy if you don't have any happy chemicals. You know, it just kind of makes sense. I'm not talking about becoming a nutrition nut. I'm talking about trying to have green vegetables at lunch and dinner and have three colors on your plate at every meal. If you can even start doing that, you're going to be well on your way to eating healthier. Fatigue is not always caused by lack of sleep. Sometimes it can be caused by um, low blood sugar. Sometimes it can be caused by too much stress. So think about what causes your fatigue. Uh, a lot of times when people are anxious, they're exhausted all the time because they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. So what causes your fatigue? It's good to list all the things that make it worse because those are the things you want to address. But remember to identify the things that make it better, what help you get a little bit of energy, even if it's for a short period of time, so you can start doing those things. Difficulty concentrating. Little tidbit you'll get in the nutrition module, but when you are 1% dehydrated, you start having difficulty concentrating. When you're 5% dehydrated, you start having problems with short-term memory. Um, and it's, by the time you get to actually feeling dehydrated, you're way past 1%. So it's important to make sure that you stay hydrated because your brain communicates through electrical impulses. Those electrical impulses need water and your brain is like 80% water. Hypervigilance means being easily startled. This doesn't impact everybody, but it does impact a lot of people who have a history of post-traumatic stress um, or chronic stress growing up. So if you startle easily, know what makes it better. For example, I always sit with my back to a wall um, whenever possible. Um, my husband is retired law enforcement, so he always wants to see the door and have his back to the wall too. So I trust that he has my back when we go out to eat. But having your back to the wall when you're at, um, at work and not having a window behind you can actually reduce stress. Look at things, um, you can Google feng shui 
and learn some things to do in your environment to reduce your stress. Because when your body perceives that it's vulnerable, your stress levels go up. So even if you have your back to the door at, at work and your door is open and you're working on your computer, if you can't see who's walking behind you, you actually are on higher alert. Anyhow, what impact do these things have on your emotions? Do they make you feel depressed? You know, sometimes you can get really angry at yourself for feeling depressed. Now, it doesn't make a lot of sense that we're doing that. It's like, well, what's the point of getting angry at myself? But we do it. Mentally, how do any of these things impact how you concentrate? Physically, how do any of these things impact how you feel physically? When you get stressed, does it upset your tummy? Do you get neck aches, headaches, muscle tension? What happens to you physically? How do you sleep? How is your immunity when you're stressed out all the time? Because most of what we're talking about, remember, anger and anxiety are fight or flight, which are basically two opposite ends of the stress spectrum, if you will. Um, understanding that. So when we talk about stress, which I'll use a lot as kind of a garbage term for anything that causes you unpleasant feelings, it can have a lot of physical impacts. And when I don't feel well, it impacts me emotionally because I'm not a good sick person. And, you know, mentally and socially, if I'm not being pleasant, then, you know, it's going to impact emotions or impact relationships negatively. So consider how these things feed on each other, because I want you to remember the tapestry. See how all these things are starting to weave together? So if you start addressing one of them, a lot of the others are probably going to start to improve. Low self-esteem and social withdrawal are the, the other two. These are your most common symptoms when we're talking about most mood disorders, depression, anxiety, um, adjustment disorder, and uh, um, addiction. So if you have these, regardless of what your label is for yourself, start looking at addressing one symptom today. What can you start doing to make it better? And why is this important? What is the impact of the symptom on you? There are a variety of symptoms common to the most common disorders, and they're cross-cutting. We call it uh, transdiagnostic. By understanding the impact of a symptom, as simple as poor quality sleep, you can start to see how small things will make a big difference in your recovery process. Happiness isn't brain surgery. It's not something that is necessarily super-duper complex. You can start feeling a little bit happier right now by choosing to do something that you know helps you feel a little bit happier. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Join our Facebook group at docsnipes.com slash Facebook or join our community and access additional resources at docsnipes.com.